Um, well, as many of you know, and as Dan prayed, a group of about 10 of us were in Mexico this week. We got back Friday, um, helping build a house. And so I'm going to do a little update on that and show you guys some pictures from that. Um, I had a guest preacher lined up for today. And um, uh, my friend and, and mentor, Rick Mitchell, uh, from Island Baptist, and his replacement got sick. And so I uh, found out yesterday that he was not going to be able to make it. Um, he, he tried to find somebody else to fill in for him so he could be here. Uh, but we'll, we'll reschedule that, and we'll have him another time. So um, it was a little bit late to find a replacement, so we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. We're just going to spend some time reading through uh, a larger chunk of uh, scripture. We're going to read through some of Psalm uh, 119, um, as we're going to be spending some time going through the Psalms anyways this, this summer. So we're going to do that. I'll give a little introduction to that. But first, just wanted to give a little update on our Mexico trip. So nine of us from Roots plus two others, two friends, went down. We were there Friday to Friday. And um, I'll just give a couple of updates while Mark uh, goes through um, a few pictures here. Um, so a few highlights for me. And Andrea and Ricardo are missionary friends down there. They're going to be here through July. Um, they won't be here every week, but we will see them and we'll have them and maybe some of the group members share a little bit more. But just a, a little update for today. So it was really great seeing Andrea and Ricardo's ministry um, in Tijuana. So they're in Tijuana. We were about four hours south of there, um, but they were with us. So they, they are... They provide a home and, and mentor young men, uh, most of whom have come out of orphanages and don't have, haven't had any real home life, and they help them get on their feet, help them go through school or get a job, um, and just give them some stability and support uh, through that phase of their life. So it was great to just see so many of these young men and, and young women, too, um, who have been affected by Andrea and Ricardo. Uh, we probably met 10 different people that called Andrea mom um, and just see her as, as their mom. And it was really cool to see. Uh, they used to be down where we did the work in Vicente Guerrero, about five hours, four hours south of Tijuana. Um, so even down there, there were a lot of people came by and like, hey, mom. Um, it was awesome to see. So the work we did was um, essentially finish up this house build that Andrea and Ricardo kind of organized for a young man that they've known for 10 to 12 years, who now is married and they have a kid. Um, a group from Commando Chapel went down in March and did some of the earlier work. We did uh, drywall, mudding, paint, taping, painting, sanding, put in a couple floors, uh, some trim. It, and it, it, it was move-in ready. There's still some work to be done. But, uh, so there's Alfredo. That's, that's his house and his wife, Giselle. And... Um, and there's the whole group, minus me, because I'm taking the picture. So yeah, it was, uh, I think, went as well as could, could be. No major injuries. We didn't leave anyone there. Um, it felt like really valuable work. And it was, Alfredo was there the whole week working with us, um, and they were just so, so thankful. I mean, just to imagine them, you know, a year ago, not not knowing what their housing situation would be like, and then now them having a home for the long term and a, a quality lasting home um, was pretty, pretty cool to be a part of. So give praise to God for 
arranging and, and just relationships we have with Andrew and Ricardo and, and just setting this up and also for the team being willing to go down and, and, and do this. So that's that. Um, So today we're going to uh, spend some time in Psalm 119. We're, it's a long psalm, as, as you may know. It's the longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's longer than some books in the Bible. We probably won't read through all of it, uh, but we'll read through a good portion of it. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And we try to do that each week. We, we we do do that each week. Uh, we read Scripture publicly. We teach through it. We exhort through that. Um, today, we're going to emphasize the reading of Scripture part. There's not going to be a lot of uh, unpacking teaching, um, but we're just going to put God's Word out to you. We're going to read it, consider it together. As you may know, Psalm 119 is essentially a celebration of God's law. celebration of God's law. Uh, you, various terms are used to talk about God's law, uh, commandments, testimonies, precepts, statutes, God's word. Um, almost every verse of the hundred plus verses in this psalm says something about God's law, and it's a, it's a celebration, a delighting in that law. Now, we can tend to think of God's law and his commands as somewhat negative, you know, isn't isn't God's grace what we celebrate? Do we really celebrate God's law? But that is not correct. Everything that comes from God is good, including his law, including his commands, his will. And there's no contradiction between God's law and his saving grace, between what he calls us to and requires of us and then what he does and steps in and, and does himself for us. Uh, both are good. The law is good and right and beautiful. All that call God calls us to and wills for us is good and right and beautiful, though we fall short, though it's not sufficient to change our hearts. Now, it, it's helpful just to define law real quick because the word law does mean different things in Scripture. Um, so, for us reading this today, post-Christ, we should think of law as God's overarching will, law, and commands, which are for all time and all people. The, the Old Testament mosaic or of Moses law was a part of this, and it, it pointed to this, though some of it was specifically for Israel in a certain time and place and doesn't transcend till today. It's like some of the temple and sacrificial laws, some of the civil laws that they, that they had. And so the New Testament helps us more clearly see what is this overarching moral law that God calls us to that is a revelation of who God is. Now, just one last thing before we get into this. Um, John Calvin and others um, talk about a threefold use of the law. So you maybe have never put this into words, but... Perhaps you have thought, what purpose does the law have for me today? You know, especially as you're reading through some of the Old Testament laws, like, how does this apply to me? Um, 
And John, John uh, Calvin puts it in, in three categories, three, three ways that the law uh, applies to us um, and is for us. The first of these is as a mirror. So the law reflects or gives us an image of, like a mirror does when you stand in front of it, it reflects who God is. It reflects his character. So, you know, when you're reading through the laws of Scripture, it's, it's not only, you shouldn't only be thinking, what is this telling me to do? But also, what is this telling me about who God is? What does the law do not murder or do not steal or do not covet? Tell me about who God is and about his character. Uh, also in this, the law acts as a mirror for ourselves in showing us how far short we fall, that we are truly sinful, as uh, the quote from uh, Bonhoeffer that Hans read earlier got to. Um, Augustine writes, the, the law orders that we, after attempting to do what is ordered and so feeling our weakness under the law, may learn to implore the help of grace. In other words, the law shows us our need that we might cry out to God for help. Drives us to find grace in God alone. Okay, so that's the first use of the law. Second use of the law is that it restrains evil in society, in the world. Now, the law in and of itself cannot change hearts. It doesn't, by itself, apart from God's grace and spirit, change our hearts but it can have a limited effect of just restraining evil. A society where there is a law to not murder or not steal, um, though that doesn't make anyone a believer, a, a child of God, it does help our society function and restrain some evil for the sake of, of all. And then thirdly, the law, specifically for God's people, it leads us to live lives pleasing to him. So for those who have been changed by God's grace through Jesus, who have the Spirit living in us, the law helps us to know how we ought to live in order to give praise to God, to honor and glorify him with our lives. Okay? Now, the big idea, or one of the big ideas that you'll see come up again and again as we read this, is that the law is something to delight in, that it is good, and it is good because it comes from God, and God is good. All that God calls us to and wills for us is not only right, is not only something we ought to do or follow, it's also good and praiseworthy and pleasing the law is not sufficient for us. We need God's grace. We need God to step in and do something which we cannot do because of our sin. The law does not save us. Our obedience and efforts do not save us. But as people who have been bought and changed by his blood-bought grace, we can and ought to delight in the law of God to praise the one who has made us his own as a response to what he has done, his response to his love. Okay, so let's read through this. It'll be up on the screen, but if you have your Bible or Bible app, I encourage you to, to follow along. Um, you, you may know, I'm not going to go into the 
the, 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 the arrangement of Psalm 119, some of you probably know how it's set up. It's, it's very organized. Um, there's, there's 22 little sections. Um, I'll pause a little bit between each one and just give you a, a chance to uh, just meditate, consider those words. Um, but I'm not going to do a lot of stopping. We're just going to read through some of this. And um, yeah. All right. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servants, that I may live and keep your word. I wonder if that is how we pray. You know, when we say something like, God bless me, are we... Deal well with me. Are, are we thinking, so that I may live and keep your word? Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. What a wonderful prayer. And if this is a prayer for God's law, how much more should this be our prayer in, in light of the gospel, in light of God's grace revealed in Jesus? Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things in what you have done and what you have given and what you have accomplished for us. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors.
My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. There is, it is God's grace that teaches us and leads us to follow God's will and his commands. Graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. What a relevant prayer for us today. So many worthless things to take our attention. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Verse 41, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and I shall not be and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. It's somewhat convicting, right? Uh, your commandments, which I love. How much do we love God's commandments? Verse 49, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. So there's no, there's no promise that even following and loving God's word doesn't come without affliction. But in our affliction, there is comfort. 
in God's word and his promise. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. So there is a sense in which we might have righteous anger, but also mixed with humility and sorrow and love towards those who forsake and reject and defame God's law. It's not a prideful anger. It's one that is, has a sense of fear, knowing that we stand alone by God's grace. 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion to all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. do a few more sections. Verse 65, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Again, somewhat convicting. Is that how we see God's law? Verse 73, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. 
Verse 81, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I've become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Again, see that purpose there. Give me life so that I may keep, keep your law. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had been my delight, I would have perished. Oh, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. We'll read one more. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Okay. Just a few thoughts in response to that. Um, the first is, just as I mentioned a couple times there, how convicting. Do we uh, see and approach God's word, God's commands, God's call for us, God's will for us as something sweeter than honey, worth more than all gold and silver, as better than life? Do we love what God calls us to, what God has revealed about himself? I mean, to kind of uh, test that, go read the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, and where you get Jesus um, teaching and calling us to various things and showing us what is good. Do we love what he calls us to? Secondly, uh, notice that there is no 
that throughout all of this, there's no contradiction between God's mercy and love and goodness and God's law. Throughout, and, and, and so part of the implication of that is um, we need God's mercy. And so when it starts out at the very beginning, blessed are those who walk, whose way is blameless, who do no wrong, we shouldn't think, well, I have to be completely perfect in order to come to God. No, that's not true. We, we are called, and, and this psalm is calling us to be people who depend on God and His mercy, who cry out to Him, who are people forgiven by Him. But at the same time, having seen the goodness of God's mercy in God's mercy, having been the people who have experienced that, we should not make a clean separation be- and, and just say, well, the God, God's law doesn't, doesn't matter. No, we are those who have seen most clearly that God is good. And so all that He calls us to is, is good, and we should seek to we should believe that and seek to honor and glorify Him as we rely on His Spirit in us. And then, as I said uh, once in there, if this is true of God's law, of God's commands, which on their own cannot save us, cannot make us right with God, how much more so or how much more should we meditate on and love and behold God's, what God has done for us in Jesus? How much more are there wondrous things to behold in, in peering into what God has done for us in Christ and Him crucified? Um, and I, I turn to Revelation 5, where you have this worship going on in heaven praising Jesus as the Lamb for what He has done. And, you know, as you read through the, the New Testament and you, you behold God's, the, the mystery, as Paul says, of what God has done for us in Jesus, it is something that there is no end to peering in and beholding and responding with worship. And so, in Revelation 5, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you! to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. This is Jesus, the Lamb of God. And by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Jumping down a couple of verses. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, so whole world, all that has been created, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. The elders there in that passage? I would have to go back and, and see. Yeah. 
I have a lot of questions about Revelation. <laughs> we are people of, of God's Word. We are people who are formed by and led and taught and strengthened by God's Word. We, we need it like we need breath, like we need food, like we need water. It is what makes us. It's what makes us, brings us together each week. It is what strengthens and, and sends us out. Um, and so this is our, our prayer. I mean, this is a prayer that God would make us be people who are dependent on him through what he's revealed and, and see that, that that is good. Let's pray.